It's time for Shattered Soulstone. Featuring the latest news from Sanctuary and beyond. Each episode, a heroic party of Nephilim band together to help keep you informed on everything in the Diablo universe. And now, your Diablo Community Podcast. Coming to you from somewhere in Sanctuary, this is episode 414 of Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo Community Podcast. This episode is called Play With Your Demons. It is June 9, 2023, and this is Jen. I've got a whole bunch of stuff to talk about, and the majority of it has to do with Diablo 4, which is really cool, because it's been a long time since I had episodes that were like actually about the Diablo games, so this is fun. Um, but before we get into that, there's some other stuff just to kind of start with, and you may remember, or if you skipped it, I talked about a Variety article in the previous episode that featured Bobby Kotick, and one of the things that he said in that interview was that he appears to believe that all of the sexual harassment claims were made up. Well, IGN has a rebuttal to that, and it was posted on June 1st, probably the day after or the day of that article. And they, they titled it, Activision Blizzard Report Shows 29 Harassment Incidents After Bobby Kotick's, or Kotick, Kotick's No Systemic Issue Claim. The company noted it received 114 reports of harassment, discrimination, and retaliation from employees throughout 2022, written by Christina Alexander. I'll give you just a little piece of this. Activision Blizzard released a report detailing an uptick in harassment incidents brought by employees in 2022 after CEO Bobby Kotick claimed the company did not have a systemic issue with misconduct against women. The company released its inaugural, inaugural transparency report yesterday. This was posted on June 1st, showing that it received and investigated 114 reports of harassment, discrimination, or retaliation filed by employees last year. Out of those incidents, investigators substantiated 29 of them, some of which involved multiple employees. And this, of course, comes after the Variety article, which I'm not going to quote again because I just did it in the last show. Um, Activision Blizzard further stated in the report that it took corrective actions as a result of these harassment incidents, including termination for inappropriate or discriminatory language, physical assault, misgendering, unwanted advances, retaliation, and non-consensual touching. 114 or something like that in there. That's just wow. There's a few other things. Uh, the Wall Street Journal published a report from years ago, so that really doesn't matter too much right now. The report also comes in the midst of Microsoft attempting to close the Activision Blizzard acquisition, which has already been approved by China and the European Commission and is still waiting approval from the FTC. Let me get back to that one. Um, there is the US FTC and there is apparently another one in a different country with the same acronym, so just be careful when you're reading articles about that. There's a Eurogamer art article titled Microsoft's, quote, extreme, end quote, options to bypass acquisition block could include withdrawing Activision from the UK. 
Uh, Microsoft President Brad Smith meets with UK Chancellor next week. This is written by Vicky Blake on June 4. Microsoft is reportedly considering withdrawing Activision from the UK in a bid to bypass the country's merger block, according to a new Bloomberg and uh, to a new Bloomberg something and spotted by VGC, Microsoft President Brad Smith plans to meet UK Chancellor Jeremy Hunt to discuss firsthand the company's frustration at the UK's Competition and Markets Authority, CMA, decision to block the $69 billion acquisition. Though in the UK for a talk about regulating AI, Smith also hopes to hold private discussions with the Chancellor, including, according to a spokesperson, quote, the proposed acquisition of Activision Blizzard as we remain committed to finding creative and constructive ways to address remaining regulatory concerns. There's a summary for application to appeal the CMA's decision from Microsoft, in which it accused the UK regulator of making, quote, fundamental errors in its assessment. The UK's Competition Appeal Tribunal has held a case management conference to iron out preliminary details of the hearing between Microsoft and the CMA. Smith will reportedly discuss with Hunt Microsoft's strategy to counter the decision, including, quote, extreme options such as ignoring the block and pressing ahead with the deal regardless or withdrawing Activision from the UK completely. South Korea. VGC writes, is the latest country to approve Microsoft's Activision Blizzard acquisition. The Korean FTC, that's the one I said another country had, it's it's Korea, um, has unconditionally cleared the deal. Here's a little bit from that. The uh, Korea Fair Trade Commission, KFTC, says it has unconditionally cleared the deal, saying it has no concerns about the potential restriction of competition if Blizzard games are made exclusive. The KFTC, I keep wanting to say KFC, um, explained that in terms of South Korea specifically, the popularity of Activision Blizzard games is fairly low, and as such, their importance to platform holders isn't as important in that region. Quote, the combined market share of games developed and distributed by Microsoft and Blizzard is small. The popularity of Blizzard's major games in Korea is not as high as overseas, and there are a number of popular game developers that competitions can deal with alternatively, so there are, sorry, competitors can deal with alternatively, so there is no possibility of foreclosure to exclude competing game service companies, the KFTC's statement reads. Even in the event of a blockade, the effect of conversion competitors' consumers to its service subscribers is minimal due to the low popularity of Blizzard games, and competitors have a significant market share, so there is no risk of exclusion from competition. The KFTC also pointed out that it held discussions with its equivalent competition authorities in other countries to get their views on the deal, but noted that their decisions may differ because Activision Blizzard's games are more important in those regions, and it goes on from there. So they're like, yeah, sure, you can try. You know, that kind of thing. The United States uh, Federal Trade Commission, FTC, has a release that they posted titled FTC will require Microsoft to pay $20 million over charges it illegally collected personal information from children without their parents' consent. Proposed order will require Microsoft to bolster protections for children, makes clear that avatars and biometric and health data are protected under COPPA, and that's the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act. I'll read you just a little bit of this. 
Uh, Microsoft will pay $20 million to settle Federal Trade Commission charges that it violated the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act by collecting personal information from children who signed up to its Xbox gaming system without notifying their parents or obtaining their parents' consent and by illegally retaining children's personal information. Quote, Our proposed order makes it easier for parents to protect their children's privacy on Xbox and limits what information Microsoft can collect and retain about kids, said Samuel Levine, director of the FTC's Bureau of Consumer Protection. Quote, This action should also make it abundantly clear that kids' avatars, biometric data, and health information are not exempt from COPPA. As part of the proposed order filed by the Department of Justice on behalf of the FTC, Microsoft will be required to take several steps to bolster privacy protections for child users of its Xbox system. For example, the order will extend COPPA protections to third-party gaming publishers with whom Microsoft shares children's data. In addition, the order makes clear that avatars generated from a child's image and biometric and health information are covered by the COPPA rule when collected with other personal data. The order must be approved by a federal court before it can go into effect. So that's kind of what's going on there. Here is a game developer article titled CWA rescinds three unfair labor practice charges against Activision Blizzard. The labor union also slammed recent comments made by Activision Blizzard CEO Bobby Kotick. This was written on June 2nd by Chris Kerr, K-E-R-R. The Communications Workers of America, CWA, has withdrawn three unfair labor practice ULP charges it filed against Activision Blizzard because the publisher agreed to post a company-wide notice informing workers of their unionization rights and rescinded disciplinary action that was taken against one employee. The CWA said that it filed those three ULPs because of concerns over, quote, company interference with and surveillance of protected concerted activity, end quote, and claimed the National Labor Relations Board, NLRB, quote, found merit, end quote, with those charges. Although three ULPs have been withdrawn by the CWA, others remain active. So part of this has to do with active unfair labor practice charges against Activision. So I'll read you just a little bit of that. The ULPs that remain active include a charge of firing workers in retaliation for union organizing, one of the most serious violations violations of labor law, said a CWA spokesperson. The active ULPs also include Activision's attempt to derail organizing by workers at its Raven studio by shifting work, denying the workers raises that were provided to non-organized workers across the country. The company has also been found to have withheld benefits and solicited grievances in violation of the National Labor Relations Act. In a statement sent to game developer, where I'm reading this from, the CWA also slammed Activision Blizzard CEO Bobby Kotick for uh, the Variety article, basically. Workers are currently at the bargaining table at Raven and Blizzard Albany, where recently the company and the union have been have begun to reach tentative agreements that lay the groundwork for future progress, continued CWA. Knox Kotick again for the same kind of stuff. Kotick's statements to the press run the risk of undermining this productive process. What happens next is up to Activision Blizzard. There is an update 
An Activision Blizzard spokesperson has responded to the CWA in a statement sent to game developer, again, where I'm reading this from, and says the company is, quote, committed to good faith bargaining, end quote, with employees seeking to unionize, quote, we respect the rights of employees to make their own decisions about joining a union and we're committed to good faith bargaining in Albany, reads the statement. Those conversations, while early, have been amenable and productive. We're also glad that the CWA withdrew three of their complaints as we're confident in the decisions we've made on behalf of the employee's safety and well-being. The Verge has an article titled Western Digital Announces Xbox Expandable Storage Cards Starting at $79.99. And that's $79.99. Here's a little bit from that. If you have an Xbox and you're running out of storage, maybe this is for you. It seems pricey to me, but who knows? I don't know what money you make or not. Western Digital is offering some much-needed competition in the Xbox expandable storage card market today. And today would have been, what's the date on this? June 6th, so just recently. Western Digital is now offering its own 512GB and 1TB expansion cards for Xbox Series S or X consoles. It's the first time we've seen Xbox expandable storage that's not manufactured by Seagate, and Western Digital's own cards are priced at $79.99 for the 512GB model and $149.99 for the 1TB version. Those prices seemed like a big price drop when we first heard cheaper Xbox expandable storage cards were on the way earlier this year, but Seagate also heard about Western Digital's plans and has adjusted its own prices accordingly. The 512GB Seagate version is available at $89.99, which is higher than the one that it looks like Western Digital is doing, I guess. Um, I don't know. And the 1TB card is $149.99. Those are the same. Well, the the 1TB card stayed the same. $149.99 either way from Seagate. And $89.99 for the se- the one that Western Digital selling for $79.99. So that's a thing. Um, but if you need it, if you've got too many games on your Xbox X or X, this might help, I guess. I mean, Diablo 4 is a really big game. I'm going to go into some accessibility stuff specifically relating to Diablo 4. There is a YouTube video by Steve Saylor. Um, I think he's referred to himself as the blind gamer. If you've ever watched T. Morris stream on Twitch, you've probably heard his voice through games that they play together uh, on certain occasions. So this is, uh, it's a video, it's about 12 minutes long, and he's talking about all of the accessibility uh, options that are, you know, there in the game. Now, For some, that's turn off shaky cam. That's what I did. It's not really labeled that, but that's how I feel like it is. I I get nauseous if the screen is shaking all over the place, and I'm sure others do too. This is not necessarily an accessibility issue, but for me it is. So there's that, but there's also, you can change the brightness, and you can highlight your character in a color, and different things like that. There's, um, he did say that the voice acting in the game has text to it, at the bottom of the screen. I'm not sure if he preferred it to be at the bottom of the screen or not. But the other thing you can do is have essentially a a screen reader talk to you in the game. So if you've got a pile of loot in front of you and you're not sure what that is based on your vision or lack thereof, you can have the game tell you, 
here's a sword and this is its stats and that kind of thing. And that's remarkable because we sure didn't have that in Diablo 3. So that's amazing. I'm only covering a little bit of what he talked about. So if you or someone that you love has difficulty because they're legally blind or completely blind or somewhere in the middle here, this might be a thing, you know, for them to check out and, and hear, you know? There is a person on Twitter going by at Flash Vertron. He wrote this, Finally, I can say I completed the Diablo 4 campaign solo as a blind gamer and without sighted help. I need to process my emotions, but I'll be reviewing here and sending Ally A11Y feedback thanks to Vicarious Lydru, Rod Ferguson, you know who that is, Dave A. Rodriguez, and the team for a beautiful game. Not sure if I was a world first, though it is possible. Though the accessibility was brilliant, I know most other blind people wouldn't have put as much energy into the strategies I employed, but I've always wanted to play a Diablo game since I was a child 20 years ago. Since D2, I dreamed of a day that I'd get to grind, loot, and save Sanctuary, and now I can say I have. Now on to end game and the next step in the journey. After all, level 48 is not nearly high enough. And Rod Ferguson congratulated him on that in a tweet right after that one. So it's possible for people to use those accessibility features and to have at least some of that be helpful to them based on you know whatever they have. There's also features for people who are colorblind and colorblind is not one thing. Colorblind can be, you know, it's not everyone who says I am colorblind some of them are going to see some colors that others can't. And so you, there's different options in there. It's not something that's curable. It's not something that is one size fits all. So some people that are colorblind may still have trouble with those accessibility options in D4. But they're there and they could try it and see how it goes for them. So that's kind of neat. And then there's this article. It's a very long article written by Ross Miner on what I'm assuming is their own blog. And they titled it Diablo 4 Blind Accessibility Review, So Much Progress, But So Much More to Go. And it's very long. There is a video version for people who want to hear it instead of read it. But there's a lot of details in here. They talk about the background of the Diablo games. I'll read you just a tiny bit from that part. Diablo has historically been one of those games blind gamers have gravitated towards for many reasons. First being its top-down isometric perspective, which makes it easier for us to navigate. Up moves up, left moves left, and so on. Next being the combat in conjunction with good sound design made blind players perfectly capable of taking on hell alongside their sighted counterparts. Parts. Lastly, menus weren't the most complicated when adjusting specific skills, so for some players, they were manageable. Of course, the design and features of Diablo alone only makes the game somewhat playable, but blind gamers still struggled with fundamental tasks like reading and organizing gear, navigating complicated dungeons, and reading text on the screen. This didn't stop blind gamers from coming up with creative workarounds such as an NVDA add-on that is meant for reading English subtitles in foreign media that also proved to be handy reading text that appears in Diablo while playing. In my opinion, says this writer, uh, what Diablo really needs is a text-to-speech that reads gear, notifications, menus, etc., as well as some form of navigation assistance to help blind gamers navigate dungeons more easily instead of tediously and meticulously co combing a dungeon until the correct path is found. There have been many outstanding accessibility accomplishments in Diablo 4 and some decisions that leave me scratching my head. So without further ado, here is my Diablo 4 blind accessibility review. And the 
rest of it goes on. It's really well done. And again, there is a video version. If someone cannot read this because they can't see well enough to, they can hear it. So I think that's amazing that people are like looking out for other people that have those kinds of needs and know from firsthand experience what that's like. Shifting over to World of Warcraft for just a tiny minute here, there's going to be a running of the Trolls 2023. I assume there's going to be a running of the Gnomes as well, possibly on the same date, but I don't know exactly. I haven't seen anything specifically targeting that and saying this is what we're doing. So what they're doing with running of the Trolls 2023 is they are going to, um, it's an annual community organized charity event and it's been different charities over the years. I think I tried one of these once with a little gnome character and I don't know how far I got with it actually. I can't remember right now. But the running of the trolls is going to benefit the Trevor Project that starts out as a beach party and turns into a pride march. So there's like a picture here of a bunch of characters from a previous running of the trolls event. And there's rainbows and all kinds of things. They are standing on the edge of water. So it's a beach party, I guess. Um, and it ends as a pool party in Silver Moon Fountain. The Trevor Project provides many life-saving programs for young members of the LGBTQIA community, as well as programs to help friends, families, and schools. The idea behind the Troll Run was to give visibility to the WoW community members of the queer community and allies, too, to show to people that they aren't alone and to raise money for a charity that provides suicide prevention to the youngest members of the LGBTQIA community. This charity was chosen with the guidance of the WoW community after repeated requests for a Horde side event after the success of our Alliance one that focused on a men's issue, as men are most likely to end their lives. Unfortunately, especially queer men, we want to do everything in our power to keep more of our young community here to see the future. Goes on from there, they also wanted to provide it as an online pride event that is easily accessible, even through a trial or veterans edition of World of Warcraft, as not everyone has easy access to a pride event in the world due to politics, regional location, physical abilities, or life obligations. So this is a really cool thing to do. Then there's this other like really cool thing. Um, Blizzard Entertainment has partnered or licensed with McFarlane Toys. You've probably heard of them. And they are, well, here's a press release. I'll read you a little bit of this was posted on June 7. McFarlane Toys has announced that they have signed a licensing agreement with Blizzard Entertainment to develop a range of collectible figures across the Diablo, World of Warcraft, and upcoming Warcraft Arclight Rumble universes. I don't know what that last one is. The initial product launch this fall will coincide with the highly anticipated Diablo 4 video game release. Uh, McFarlane Toys founder Todd McFarlane said, What I try to do within the walls of McFarlane is to find big brands that look super cool. It's a fairly simple formula that can be very hard to find, but the talented creators over at Blizzard have been making and designing tons of fun, detailed, and visually stunning worlds across their games for decades. And now my company gets to go play in their sandbox. This should be a hoot, he writes. Our goal is to deliver figures to fans of Diablo and Warcraft games that will add value to their enjoyment of playing those worlds because when you aren't playing the games you will be able to look at them on your shelf in 3d form and then um let's see christy collins vice president of licensing for mcfarland toys also reiterates that and then we have a quote from derek romano director of licensing for blizzard entertainment who said blizzard entertainment has long been known for its iconic worlds filled with unique characters and we are excited to partner with mcfarland toys to give gamers everywhere the chance to bring home and showcase some of their favorite games game characters through collectible figures 
Which ones are they going to do? I don't know. It sounds like it's going to come from Diablo and um, some of these other games in here, but uh, Warcraft. I don't know if they're going to do Overwatch or not. I, I'm not really sure. I kind of wish this presser said, here's the ones we're going to start with, but they didn't do that, so we'll all have to wait and see. Speaking of Pride, um, Overwatch posted a official thing on from by the Overwatch team on May 30th celebrating Pride in Overwatch 2, and so they have... Uh, things in here like there are let's see beginning on June 1st everybody that logs into Overwatch 2 will rec will receive an extensive collection of profile player icons and name cards celebrating the many diverse identities that make up the tapestry of this fantastic community there's a list of cosmetics from below um, and the name cards allow you to choose how you identify within the game so there's ones dedicated to some of the characters that are LGBTQ heroes you'll find a lesbian card for Tracer a gay card for so Soldier 7 76, a pansexual card for Lifeweaver, that's a new character I don't know much about, as well as a bisexual card for Baptiste and a lesbian card for Farah. I think that's a new a new thing added to her recently. For years, players have speculated on the sexual orientations of Baptiste and Farah, and we are thrilled to not only include them in these prize cosmetics, Pride cosmetics, but also to publish a brand new short story focusing on their identities, each other, and themselves. There's a link to that if you want to read that story. Going forward, there's a picture here that has a walkway that has the rainbow flag across it. Uh, there's a bus in the background that says Happy Pride. There's like confetti all over whatever this area is in Overwatch. I've never played the game, so I'm not sure. Also, there's still the Blizzard Gear Store, which has links in here too, um, that have different games made by Blizzard with the colors of the Pride flag. And I bought one. There's a Diablo one that has the Pride flag on it. And it's just in the lettering of Diablo or the lettering of Overwatch in this case, that kind of stuff. So if this is something you want to get, you can do that. The proceeds from the sales from May 16 through June 30 are being donated to the National Center for Transgender Equality, NCTE. And so that's helpful too, considering what's going on in the United States and possibly the UK as well. But this is Blizzard is United States, so there we are. You can still get that gear if you want to. The Overwatch Twitter account has some little posters that you can get featuring some of the characters that were mentioned in that article, and they have, like, the the flags, colors behind them. Uh, the characters and the characters are represented in silhouette, so you can grab those if you want to use those in, you know, I don't know, as your icon or you just like them, you can totally do that. Business Wire has a news article titled Diablo 4 launches immediately sets new record as Blizzard Entertainment's fastest selling game of all time. The blurb says in just four days of early access, players have already enjoyed the latest installment of the iconic game for over 93 million hours and over 10,000 years or over 10,000 years. That's how long we've been playing. Sure. You know, and it talks a little bit about Diablo 4. If you're listening to this, chances are you started playing the game uh, maybe when it launched or you got into one of those betas or the server slam, which was fun, too. Uh, there's a couple of quotes in here from people that work at Blizzard. Um, so I'm just going to skip ahead a bit. We've got a quote from Mike Yabara, president of Blizzard Entertainment, who said, Our vision at Blizzard is to create legendary experiences for all to share, and Diablo 4 is an incredible realization of that vision, with highly customizable gameplay, gripping storytelling, and plenty of options around how to engage with the world. This masterfully created... created Crafted, wow. This masterfully crafted expression of the Diablo universe is an outstanding example of what our talented development 
teams are capable of. Whether you're a veteran of the series or diving into Sanctuary for the first time, we welcome players to the global launch of Diablo 4. This is, uh, there's more description here. Set 50 years after the events of Diablo 3 Reaper of Souls, Diablo 4 opens with the summoning of Lilith, the daughter of hatred, back to the mortal realm of Sanctuary. The lands have become infested with horrific creatures, and only the bravest of souls will be able to stand against the threat of chaos. Players can customize their gameplay experience in directions that appeal to them, experimenting with skill trees to showcase complementing spells and abilities as they fight to return Sanctuary to its citizens. And it's talking about, like, there's 120 dungeons, there's world bosses, there's strongholds. I think most of us kind of have heard about that or maybe actually played in it. And then at the bottom of this, it also says that there's just a bunch of stuff in there. There's going to be season, seasons and expansions that I don't really know much about. Uh, the PvP is the Fields of Hatred, which is very well named in my opinion. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff in here. And then it talks about the Standard Edition, the Deluxe Edition, and the Ultimate Edition. You can buy any one of those and still be able to play the game. The Standard, obviously, is the uh, least expensive one, and um, it includes Anarius Wings and Anarius Murloc Pet in Diablo 3. I bought the Standard Edition because I thought that would be probably the best choice for me. And there's all these like wings and things like that, but I bought it on Xbox. So this means I can't get any of those things as far as I can tell. I went into Diablo 3 the other day just to see if those wings had appeared or something. Um, I know that Battle.net had an update. So maybe if I look again, I'll have like a little gift sitting there, but I don't know. I think if you bought it on Xbox, you don't get these things, but that's just me. I might be wrong. So in what's the most unexpected news that I found this week, there's an article from PC Gamer written by Joshua Wolins, and it is titled, Whoopi Goldberg lambasts Blizzard for not releasing Diablo 4 on Mac. Quote, this really pissed me off. The actress wants Blizzard to get back in the Apple habit. So there's a little bit, looks like a photo of Whoopi Goldberg on The View. There are a few mugs on the table that say The View, so that's probably where this came from. In a video reminiscent of a recorded speech from an exiled political leader, Whoopi Goldberg has criticized Blizzard for not releasing D4 on her, quote, favorite gaming system, end quote, the Mac. In a clip posted to Instagram yesterday, seemingly shot in Goldberg's cavernous armory of shoes, the actress and comedian made clear that, although there are more pressing crises affecting mankind right now, she was a little miffed at Diablo 4's sudden absence from Apple platforms. She castigated Blizzard for not giving sufficient warning to Mac users that, unlike Diablo 3, Diablo 4 wouldn't be available on any desktop platform but Windows. Quote, I use Apple computers. That's what I've always used to play Diablo, said Goldberg. And suddenly now Diablo 4 is not available to me on my Apple computer. I already bought Diablo 4, lamented Goldberg, before imploring Blizzard to do Apple fans a solid. Blizzard Entertainment, this is Whoopi. And you know, and you know how much I love Diablo. I would like y'all to let those of us who use our apples to play allow us to play on the Apple. Take Diablo 4 and let us do it and have a great time. The writer says she's not asking for much. In fairness, she even says she'd be okay with it if Diablo 5 wasn't on her beloved Mac, so long as she knew about it ahead of time. So that's kind of a strange thing to have happen. I had no idea Whoopi Goldberg was a Diablo player. I think that's cool as hell, you know?
this was uh, noticed by Rod Ferguson, and he wrote on Twitter, I did not have, quote, Whoopi Goldberg yelling at me on Instagram, end quote, on my Diablo 4 launch bingo card. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, maybe somebody get her an Xbox and she can... I mean, it would play on her monitor, maybe? Unless she's got a computer, an Apple computer that's all-in-one, so... I don't know, but this is... To me, this is kind of hilarious, and also I can very much relate to it, because I had to get an Xbox to play D4, because it wouldn't be on my computer, and my computer is a Mac. Wowhead has an article titled, World First Recorded HC, meaning hardcore, obviously, Uber Lilith Kill by Ben. This is written by Therid. You can see his character standing in the middle of this place that he killed Lilith in, and it says uh, Final Slayer of the First Mother, and it's kind of cut off a little bit. So that's the one who did it. We've already got that. Um, I'm going to read you a tiny little bit of this. In a display of sheer willpower, former Liquid member Ben, a.k.a. Lighty, a.k.a. Darky, has completed the level 100 pinnacle boss fight in Diablo 4, also called Uber Lilith, on his barbarian, who is named Spinny Winnie. Can you guess what skill he's using? <laughs> Obviously Whirlwind. Uh, ben made clever use of game mechanics by stacking up Whirlwind damage to deal incredible amounts of damage. And there's a video in here, so you can watch him play it on the uh, on the Wowhead site. There's like a video in there. I guess it's on Twitch. I know Twitch videos don't last very long, so you might want to go get that. And as always, everything I talk about in this show is going to be in the show notes at ShatteredSoulStone.com when this episode goes live. There's a whole bunch of changes happening uh, in... Diablo 4, Pezradar has been uh, the person mentioning this in the official Blizzard uh, forums. So the Stolen Artifice line in Skaws Glen will be um, their next scheduled hot fix. This was six days ago, so I don't know. I went through Skaws Glen, or Skaws Glen and I couldn't, I don't, I don't even know if I did that one or not. Might have. Um, I'm always behind on things, so it could be that. And there's just all these hot fixes everywhere um, in here. I'm not going to even go through all of them. I think the most recent one was... Let's see, what was the most recent one? I'm not even sure anymore, but there's also in here somewhere, I've got one that had all of the, yeah, the patch notes in here. Okay, so there is an official patch notes thing for Diablo 4. It is on the blizzard.com news site, and they have uh, all of the things in here. The most recent thing that got changed was uh, various stability and bugs on all platforms on June 8th. And it doesn't really tell me more than that, but there's some other ones. There's some builds that they nerfed, I think, and um, this sort of thing. So if you're wondering, hey, why doesn't this work like it used to, or where did it go? I would point you towards the Diablo 4 patch notes thing on the Blizzard News site. Windows Central has an article titled, Blizzard Swings the Class Nerf Bat in Diablo 4's First Patch. The first Diablo 4 balance patch, patch is now live, written by Jez Corden. Um, what you need to know, there's some stuff we already know, I think, basically about that. We know there's, like, different classes. I think if you're, if you're listening to the sound of my voice, you've probably figured that out already. But there's a part in here, uh, as a result, Blizzard has issued its first balance patch for Diablo 4, bringing some class synergies to heal. Here is a quote. I don't know who it's from. 
While we want players to both feel and be truly powerful, some class builds and synergies are outside of our bounds for what is reasonable for the health of the game, so we are reducing their effectiveness. As an example, we generally want to avoid creating situations where players can survive unreasonably high amounts of damage for long periods of time because it too greatly warps our vision for how combat should be in Diablo 4. So that's kind of the main point of that one. Um, we've also got Blizzard gear here. There is a chalice. It is the Diablo 4 Lilith Goblet. It is for $66.66, at least in the United States. Your currency may differ. Yeah, it is a pre-order product and not available to ship until September of 2023. It is 7.7 .7 inches tall, resin with a stainless steel insert and officially licensed. And Lilith's visage is on the front of it glaring out at you with some skulls and other odd things underneath the chalice on the back it has the diablo 4 logo not something i'm gonna get <laughs> but if you're into that it's it's an interesting goblet for sure if you'd like to have lilith be staring at you while you drink whatever it is in there there's also diablo 4 apparel that you can look at and um i think it's a slider here on what there is there's there appears to be black t-shirts with the sort of logo or stylization of each class. There's the necromancer, the rogue, uh, the sorcerer. There's a red basketball Diablo 4 jersey for some reason. Um, there's like a baseball looking one. And then there's all the rest of the classes that follow. So if you want one of those, that's where you go. There is a Diablo 4 Anarius black tank top with Anarius' symbol on it. That one's kind of interesting. The ones that aren't just the black shirts with the logos kind of look like sports gear a little bit. There's basketball shorts with the logos of the classes on it and just, it's creative. It's really creative. The black t-shirts come in men's and women's so you can take your pick of what you want to get. And that's where we're at for this one, specifically about Diablo 4 stuff. Of course, other apparel at Blizzard does include, as I mentioned earlier, the uh, Pride selection that um, you can get. And there's a Diablo one for $25. It's a unisex one. I wore it to Pride, and it was really comfy and very soft. So if you're looking for that, I'd recommend that one or any of the other ones in here. They're probably just as soft as that one is. Many of us have listened to and watched little pieces of the Book of Lorath on YouTube. I did it on YouTube. Um, I know it was posted on some of the official Diablo accounts as well. There's like four little stories in there. And then it ended, right? So if you are missing Lorath as much as some people might be or the stories he told, there is an official Diablo Book of Lorath Diablo character tome. It is hardcover. It is, uh, it's been released on June 6th, and you can get it on Kindle or hardcover. I don't know why you'd get it on Kindle unless you have very, very little space in where you live, but there's a hardcover. They're already selling ones that are used uh, for less money than the hardcover. The hardcover appears to be $26.96, which isn't bad considering how many of the other books. I've been collecting them. I haven't read through all of them yet because, you know, life gets in the way, but this book looks really cool. It's got the um, Herodric symbol on the front that appears to be strapped down by leather straps so it stays put. It says Diablo underneath and Book of Lorath and there's some runes in there and it's really neat. I really want to get one. I probably will and it's just I love when they put together these kinds of things. There's been, you know, Book of Tyrael, 
Book of Adria. There's been some other character ones as well. And I think this would be interesting to see, considering the last time we as players just playing the games saw Lorith Nath was in Diablo 3, and he was much younger then. So I'd like to see what he got up to since that point in time. <laughs> Forbes has an article titled The Only Diablo 4 Altars of Lilith Map You'll Need. There's literally a map in here. You can listen to some stuff. And um, someone says it's going to be borderline impossible for players to find them all naturally, but they're really important as to how it's how you may max renown in the game. And they give account-wide bonuses to all of your characters. And I thought maybe everyone around you at the time on that same server, but I'm not sure. There's 160 of them. There's maps in here if you want to like follow those as you play through the game. That's one way to do it. There is a very, very long article by GameSpot that has it's titled Diablo 4 Review Mother Knows Best. It is written by Alessandro Barbosa on May 30th. And there's a lot in here. If there's anything you were confused about, I'm going to guess it's in this article somewhere, but it is extremely long. So you might want to take breaks in between the different little segments of it. Um, I think it's well done. I skimmed it earlier today, but it's. I love that people are writing about this game to that detail because it means pe it's really captured people's attention and, you know, it's a good game kind of thing. There's another article here from PC Gamer titled The Original Diablo 3 Was Cancelled and It Looks Surprisingly Similar to Diablo 4, written by Callum Baines. Blizzard North's vision for Diablo 3 looks oddly familiar, but it wasn't meant to be. I'm going to read you just a little bit in here about it. There is a quote from David Brevik. David Brevik is on Twitter, and if you ask him questions about older Diablo stuff, he will generally answer you. So here's a quote from him. It was going to be a cross between an RPG and an MMO, so it would still have an ARPG perspective, but in a massively multiplayer setting, says David Brevik, president of Blizzard North at the time and co-creator of the series. Quote, we wanted it to feel more like a real world than a place that you would visit. You would see other people and other adventurers doing things, and you could team up and work together or go your separate ways. The premise was having thousands of other players in the same world as you, making it more of a place. So that's kind of interesting. Now, why did it not, you know, why did it not go through? I don't know. It's probably in here somewhere. Um, apparently, and I'm summarizing this greatly, uh, after releasing Diablo 2 to huge commercial and critical success in the summer of 2000 and following up with an equally well-received expansion a year later, the team at Blizzard North quickly moved on to the series' third installment. By, by this time, RPGs of all stripes were back in PC Vogue following a lull in a, a decade earlier, and the growth of reliable online networking had begun to spur more complex and popular iterations of their online variants, like hundreds of thousands of others Blizzard North was taking note. Here's some more from David Brevik. We were giant EverQuest players, Brevik says. That game had a huge influence on us. The fantasy MMO released in North America in 1999 skyrocketed. We kind of have that. He continues to say, that was the premise for making World of Warcraft, Brevik says. We were all playing EverQuest and we were like, Jesus Christ, this game could be so much better. As the Diablo team's counterparts at sister studio Blizzard South sent to work aping and honing 
EverQuest's template into what would become its own mammoth MMO, so was Blizzard North cherry-picking from its more inspired concepts. Quote, A lot of the stuff EverQuest did was kind of hacky and crude rather than user-friendly, Brevik says, and so we felt like there was a space in the market where we could improve upon the design they had and we could make it a much more approachable experience. And then Diablo 2 came out, entered development in 1997, um, the team debated whether to stick with the true isometric 2D perspective of the first game or create a fully rendered 3D world. Still at the advent of 3D-capable graphics cards that could only handle low polygon counts, pre-rendered pixel art won out for that game. And then D3, well, we kind of talked about that a little bit. There's a lot of details and screenshots in here, and I'll leave you to check that out for yourself whenever you're ready. Forbes has another article titled, Fellow Casuals, Diablo 4 is the gateway to hell you've waited for, written by Matt Gardner. This is just a first-person perspective of it. Uh, it appears he made a druid, made him look like Kratos, god of war, <laughs> which is interesting. Um, yeah, so if you want to know his take on it, it's all in here. I think he had a good time. I like the title as well. PC Gamer wrote that Diablo 4 has two expansions cooking already. And it, there's a video, it is a review, Rod Ferguson's Diablo 4 review reactions on something called Kind of Fun. Um, I'm not sure exactly what's going on, but there's a couple of quotes in here that maybe I'll use. So there's a paragraph that says, Diablo General Manager Rod Ferguson gave a wide-ranging interview to Kind of Funny. Oh, it's Kind of Funny, not Kind of Fun. It cut off in the video, but it's in this article about the game's early reception and while discussing the live service element casually mentioned that the team is now working on not one but two expansions for the game ferguson said that the working process for diablo 4 had to take account of the fact the game development is intended to be a marathon rather than a sprint and blizzard didn't want a situation where the game launched and the team who made it was burned out quote so you have to build your team and your structure around a way you can do that sustainably because you're kind of all Always shipping in a way, said Ferguson. As I sit here, we're about to launch the main game. We're finishing up season one, we're working on season two, we're working on expansion one, and we're kicking off expansion two. We're working on that now, bracket laughs, and we haven't even launched the game. So there's more to come once you get through everything in Diablo 4. That's going to take me forever to do, but I'm okay with that. There's also a YouTube video by... Kamui Cosplay, if I'm pronouncing that right, and she made the Necromancer. She's got the weapon and the whole look, everything, made by hand. I'm always impressed with the work she does because there's no way I would be able to do all of these things. And she did it in two weeks, which is especially impressive. So if you want to see that thing pieced together, each part of the Necromancer set there, um, and, the, and the weapon, you can find it on YouTube, I'll put everything I just talked about into the show notes. The last thing I want to say is I've been playing Diablo 4. I got through a couple of the early towns and then I went into Skaws Glen and forgot how to shift my monitor from my Xbox to my computer and I lost the, the video that I tried to do in there. So um, I can see why Whoopi Goldberg is a bit upset about not being able to play Diablo 4 on her computer that is an Apple, just like mine. My monitor's not an Apple, though. Well, I know I was recording, but something went... I couldn't remember how to turn off 
all the buttons the right way, so to speak, and so I lost the I lost the video of it. But some of the people in Scots Glen sound like my relatives, and I end up picking up the accent, which is kind of fun. I get some Irish relatives, like from Ireland, in some cases. So um, that's as far as I've gotten, and I'm gonna try to play more tonight. And maybe you'll see me in game or not, depending on where you are. And that is where I'm going to close the show. You have been listening to episode 414 of the Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo community podcast. Missed an episode? You can find the show blog and listen to the show archives at www.shatteredsoulstone.com. Come join us in-game. Our in-game community and clan both named Shattered Soulstone, and I want to stop there for a second. Pretty sure Manlo made a Shattered Soulstone clan on Diablo 4. I haven't reached it yet. I'm only level like 12 or something. Um, but... You know, it's open to anyone who would like to join. You can also join us on Discord for the ultimate team and community-based experience. And the Discord's been popping off with people talking about Diablo 4. So there's, if you have questions, there's people in there that probably know more than me. They could probably give you answers. Uh, find the Discord invitation link on our Twitter and Facebook page, as well as on the Shattered Soulstone website. Thank you for listening. Variety has an article, not Variety. It starts with a V. Let's try that again. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> okay.